I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. And one of her experiments is to get a person to lie on the ground. And simply she says to them, now, it's all right, the ground is going to hold you up. So just, uh, just uh, lie down and there's nothing else you need to do because the ground is firm and it will hold you there. Then she examines the person's body after a while and says, uh, look, do you know what you're doing? You're trying to hold yourself together. As if your skin weren't strong enough to contain you. And you're doing this all the time to keep yourself from falling apart. Why? You think, do you, that if you don't hold yourself together, you're just going to go bleh and disappear into some kind of frightful green jello? <laughs> no, you won't. In the same way, a lot of people, uh, it's why we wear such ridiculous clothes, especially women. Uh, men are pretty bad, but women, the men do it around the neck. You know, that necktie, the symbol of slavery. It's a noose to strangle you with. Uh, but you feel tight, They're really held in here, and held in by the belt, and women wear girdles that <coughs> hold them in like this, and, <coughs> and the coat that fits your body, jacket, you know, you put it on, and it fits, and you're squeezed, or you get these tight pants that hug you, and you know you're there. Ding, 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 Form determines function, and function determines form. Health exists when both are perfectly expressed. That is the good doctor, Mr. Andrew Taylor Still, a.k.a. the founder of osteopathy, which uh, a lot of people don't even know what the heck that is. More people should get to know it because it's fantastic. Um, this is the Align Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander, and I am talking to you live from the Aragon region in the north of Spain under the Pyrenees, and uh, I am getting ready to saddle up and head to Barcelona in uh, the next, probably, I don't know, either, either later on today or possibly tomorrow. Thanks so much for tuning in along this traveling journey of mine. I'll be gone for the next four months. I got four more months left. I'm a month and change into it and exploring the world, trying to see where the heck it is that uh, I came from. Where'd my language come from? Where'd my culture come from? Really super, super fascinating. And I will be taking you guys along for the ride as I go through all of the ridiculousness and the nonsense and the things that end up kind of blowing my mind, making me sad, making me happy, whatever it may be. It's a very interesting experience to be cruising around by yourself with a backpack through random countries where oftentimes you do not speak the language at all and kind of putting the pieces together of uh, what your history is all about. Anyway, here we go. Today, Mr. Just, oh, not Mr. Doctor, the good doctor, Justin Marcagiani. I recorded this conversation just like nine or ten months ago. And uh, you can really see it's pretty, pretty interesting um, how just complete crap I am as an interviewer in this conversation. 
Um, got into a lot of really amazing stuff. Um, I don't think that I did just in justice. <laughs> Um, but nonetheless, I uh, hope you guys enjoy. He is a, he has Hashimoto's disease. And so it's, it's an autoimmune disease where your body essentially attacks your thyroid. Sounds like a bummer, huh? And, uh, so he, we get into how people can work with their own thyroid, autoimmune disease, nutrition, um, we get into all sorts of stuff. He's a functional medicine doctor. Um, he's a Cairo kind of blends these modalities to get people moving. Um, and yeah, really fascinating stuff. You got to put your thinking cap on for this conversation because, uh, the good doctor has a lot to say. Very specific, highly specific. This is more specific than probably most any other, uh, episode that I've put out. So um, get your notepads out, be prepared, and uh, get ready to get all cerebral-like. The New York State Attorney General did a raid on GNC and a couple other supplement stores, and they found that what was on the label regarding the herbs, 90-plus percent of the time, wasn't even in the supplement. And also they found other fillers that weren't even on the label. So it's really important that if you're taking a supplement, one, you want to buy it as close to the manufacturer as possible and you want to use the highest quality products as possible because cost does matter and really the most expensive supplement is a supplement that doesn't work and or doesn't have what's on the label that you're paying for. I always recommend patients just interlock their fingers super tight together so they're, it's like they're saying a prayer but they open their hands up so they can see you know, where the fingers intertwine. So imagine the little seams that you see intertwine with your fingers. That's like your tight junctions. These are the different, you know, um, parts of the, the inner gut lining that provide the barrier from the inside of the gut to the bloodstream. And imagine when stress and inflammation happens from gluten or maybe endotoxin or maybe uh, Epstein-Barr or maybe uh, stress and poor blood sugar and, and candida. I just pull the fingers apart just a little bit so you can start seeing daylight. And that's kind of what's happening to your tight junctions. They're starting to open up just a little bit. And then undigested food particles can get in there. And what's happening is your immune system's not used to seeing undigested food, undigested, maybe it's grains or undigested casein or, or you know the protein in dairy. And your immune system can start creating antibodies that are going out to attack. And these antibodies can also kind of have a cross-react, uh, cross-reaction or they can have a mistaken identity of other tissues in the body. Little quote, 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 quote uh, that I quite enjoy. I don't know where this comes from. I just kind of pull these quotes out of my notebook. And uh, but anyway, what it is is uh, education slash culture is a necessary evil. It's like salting meat for preservation, but when it's time to eat, you gotta remove the salt, baby. Um, I really like that. Uh, I think that it is, it's interesting how we end up kind of guarding ourselves or protecting ourselves in our culture or in our education or in whatever the heck kind of shroud protection device that we end up putting up of, oh, I'm a doctor. Oh, I'm an Irishman. Oh, I'm a whatever it may be. I think that to let go of those devices that's where that's where the, that's where the meat's at 
um, Bruce Lee talks about, you know, I don't hit, it hits, right? I think that that's when we get past that point of I am forcing it to hit and we get into the point where life is just happening, life is just flowing, it is just hitting. I think that is the letting go of the salt that was preserving us to get us to that point of where hopefully we are we are free, liberated, happy, sparkling human beings. So I'm learning about the history of Spain and history of Europe and such, and it is nasty. <laughs> Like learning about the Spanish Inquisition and such, where they're essentially creating a reason in order to push out Muslims and Jewish people. And uh, again, history is not my forte, but this little bit that I'm, I'm taking on the line is very, very interesting. Um, just seeing how we manipulate people throughout our time in order to achieve what we want, generally being power, greed, uh, you know, we want land, we want, we want to, to, to dominate. And uh, it's really amazing, you know, and it's like we as modern white people end up uh, just trusting the winners, you know, it's like, well, we popped out into this culture, into this society, we must be right. Well, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. If you look at someone, say you have like a spiritual master, martial arts master, he's been studying and practicing and meditating and just doing nothing but good positive deeds his whole entire life. And then all of a sudden, some redneck comes in and decides that he doesn't like the way he dresses and ends up killing him with a shotgun. You know, and then that redneck ends up making a baby, and then that baby ends up making a baby, and then a culture is formed. And who's right there? Where's where's the where's the the depth? Where's the profundity? Where's the 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 real? source of knowledge in there. I wouldn't say that it is in the, the guy with the gun. But nonetheless, we are a product of the guys with the guns. So I'd like us to hopefully kind of take a step back and look into where our history came from. The power of the church, right? When you look back at the, the, the history of the Celts and the Druids and the Vikings and the, you know, the, 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 the worshiping of nature essentially is what they were what they were getting at from my understanding and uh i think that's just fantastic <laughs> and you when you come into worshiping nature you're worshiping everything you're worshiping you know all of god's creatures and i would consider that to be more a more genuine expression of integration right we're trying to integrate our bodies integrate our minds integrate our society and our communities not outcasting each other or creating up BS stories about other cultures or other people in order to steal whatever it is that we want from them, right? And so then I walk around, it's like we see these churches everywhere, you know, and we just accept that as being, that's, it's gotta be right because it's, it's, it's what's in power, it's the one, right? But so is Walmart. <laughs> So is McDonald's. So is Burger King. <laughs> Just because they're winning the game doesn't mean that they're right. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man. 
living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day and the invisible man has a special list of ten things he does not want you to do and if you do any of these ten things he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time but he loves you. I hope that doesn't offend anybody. I just would like us to really step back and look at where the heck it is that our beliefs came from. Where did our language come from? Where did our culture come from? And uh, just evaluate that. Get excited about your history. All right, there's a quote by William Faulkner that I like a lot. History isn't dead. History isn't even... No, wait. The past isn't dead. The past isn't even past. I think that's pretty cool. We are our history. We are every piece, every word that we've spoken, every sound that we've heard, every move that we've made, every person that we've righted or wronged. It is our current, present moment. We are walking history. Our culture, our collective unconsciousness of our, our past we are carrying that presently. Everything that you think and feel, where does it come from? Is it you? Is it genuinely you? Or is it a product of the, 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 the shoulders of the giants that we stand on? And I would, I don't know. I'm just asking, I'm not really sure. Um, anywho, um, check out the website aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there, you'll find hundreds of free videos on self-care and functional movement. Please grab yourself a self-care kit. Um, fantastic little foam roller, fits some balls and bands inside. April comes, I have the screw on tops in there. The current ones will be on discount. Um, just because the, the tops don't screw on, it's going to be even more fantastic. Check it out. Um, along with that comes a free ebook video guide on how the heck to use that thing. Get your body moving well. Um, check out the courses. Check out what else is on there. Please utilize Amazon Portal. That's fantastically helpful. Throws, throws a little bit of money my way on this traveling trip of mine. Yeah. There was another quote that I like. Mr. Yushiba. Uh, Morihei Yushiba. And he says, teach people to live with creative courage. This is your calling, your privilege, and your task. That is kind of what we're shooting for here with the Align Podcast, is uh, recognizing that we are all going to die someday, 100% fact. We will all be underground at some point. If you do not live every moment and every day with your own personal creative courage, express yourself. If you feel like taking your pants off and going for a run around the neighborhood, do that thing. <laughs> or whatever you're into. Just go do it. It doesn't matter. Do not, do not martyr yourself for some BS job because we need to whatever, save up money for our 401k or something like that. So we're going to just put ourselves into this box for 40 years and then eventually, eventually we'll be okay because we, we put money into our pension, blah, 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 whatever thing. Um, yeah, let's try and, let's try and avoid that. 
Alright, and the song that I have prepared for you today is uh, by Abia. Pretty sure that's how you say it, Abia. And this is uh, Twin Sisters. And it's a combination of French, Cuban influence, and they sing in a combination of English and Yoruba, Yoruba, which is a Nigerian language that uh, is quite, quite beautiful. Um, check it out. I'm going to give you a little snippet of it here. And then uh, I'll have at the end of the podcast, I'll have the full song. The song's called River. I really liked it quite a lot. Please be sure to subscribe and share and leave comments, reviews on iTunes. It's incredibly helpful for me. And I swear to God, it makes me so, so very happy to read that. It's, uh, it's super, super inspirational. Um, I would like to thank uh, Mr. Mr. Simo Trees. Five stars, very good education here, exclamation point. Uh, he mentioned something, or she, whoever it was, mentioned something I thought was really cool. Uh, podcast gives a bigger picture of what it means to be healthy. Changed my perspective on many things and inspired me to take my life on in a better and more skilled fashion. Uh, that's awesome. That's what we're shooting for. Also, Rodham Ralphio. Uh, I appreciate that. Five stars, inspiration to live a healthy life. That's what we're going for. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate that. Um, The podcast is kind of like my personal therapy. Hopefully, it can be of service to to other people. It is my child. It is uh, something I love and care about very much. And uh, I'm really grateful that you guys get to be a part of the ride and you participate on the thing. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Tis my family. Tis a part of my family. Uh, here we go. Mr. Justin Maka Gianni. And by Mr., I of course mean doctor. No disrespect, I apologize. I just tend to say Mr. a lot. Biggity, biggity, bruh, 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 podcast so one of the things that I really was inspired to to get on the on the chat with you today was specifically about gut health and that relation with you know what's happening in your guts and that relation to how you're feeling in your mind I think oftentimes we get stuck in this idea that you know if you have a thought or if you have a feeling it has to be in your brain you know that's the only processing chip we have and you know I'm starting to learn more and more almost every day every month every year that's like Man, there is more going on here than just what is happening inside my head. You know, and so 
do you have, is that something that you look with with folks immediately of like what's happening in your guts or when, when someone comes in and they say, say for example, depression or anxiety or something like that, well, what do you, what do you look at? So there's always a hierarchy that we have to start with kind of a consider like the foundation of the pyramid or for instance, you know, an architect that's building a skyscraper would always start with the foundation. And essentially the sicker the patient is the, or the taller the building is, the more deep or the more depth we have to add to the foundation. So as we climb up, we have, um, we have good support. So the foundation being things like blood sugar stability, like making sure we're just eating foods that are nutrient-dense, right? anti-inflammatory, low in toxins, cutting out the, the super common food allergens, uh, making sure um, we're sleeping at night. Making sure we're not choosing exercise that's stressing and beating the crap out of our adrenals. Making sure we're not on this intermittent fasting kick and trying to intermittent fast every day while we're stressed out and nutrient, nutrient deficient. So we kind of want to build that foundation first and then from there get a window into how the physiology is performing. So again, the physiology is either going to be catabolic or anabolic, right? So catabolic means we're either breaking down or anabolic means we're building up. And most patients that are seeing me, they're breaking down faster. So the first thing we can do to get a hold on catabolic physiology is make sure we're getting, we're breaking down our food. Because the first thing that happens when we become catabolic is we tend to lose the ability to produce adequate enzymes and stomach acid because when we go into that sympathetic fight or flight type of stressed out state, digestive enzymes and hydrochloric acid goes down and we start having a malabsorption. We start not to be able to break down all these foods and then food allergens are so common. So just starting with food and making sure that we can digest what we're eating is going to be one of the first things. And then from there, we'd go into adrenal and thyroid and hormone health. But I'll, I'll just take a breath there and I'll let you kind of recap. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to get back to almost everything that you mentioned in the beginning there. But then yeah. how does how does one know where to start, I guess, is, is my curiosity. You know, we have, you know, it's like our, we have more bacteria in our body than we do human in our body. You know, like what, how do we yeah. differentiate between what is the good bacteria and what's the bad bacteria? What's, you know, what's, what's fungus? What's not? Like what, how do we know? Yeah. So just generally speaking, we have commensal bacteria in our gut and commensal bacteria can kind of shift in, in one direction or the other. It can become, we can have beneficial bacteria, you know, shift. So we have high amounts of good stuff in relation to bad stuff and the bad stuff, you know, we call it either pathogenic or dysbiotic and essentially dysbiotic bacteria is bad bacteria, but depending on how much is there, we can have a, a pathogenic shift. Maybe it's Klebsiella becomes high enough or it becomes pathogenic or Citrobacter becomes high enough or maybe we have a fungal overgrowth like Candida or maybe we have a parasite or a gut infection like H. pylori that can really shift our flora. So I kind of like to look at our, our flora kind of being commensal and we have a couple different families. We have the bacterioides and the firmicutes and depending on our stress, our diet, antibiotic use, whether or not we have a chronic infection, we're either shifting our flora into the pathogenic realm or dysbiotic realm, right? Mm -hmm. Or we're shifting it to the beneficial or more probiotic realm. So that's kind of just keeping it really simple for the layperson, but we kind of want to have 80 to 90% good stuff in relation to 20% bad stuff. And I see a lot of patients, they may have a gut bug or a gut infection, and that may prevent them, no matter how good they're eating or how much probiotics they're taking, um, from really shifting it in the right direction. So sometimes it can be just a linchpin of an infection that's really holding back their, their uh, gastrointestinal balance, if you will. 
Sure. You know, and, and something that I, I, I've noticed with, with people or, you know, just, just in general, our culture is we get attached to what is normal, you know? And so we think yeah. that we, we, it's like, oh no, I'm doing fine. It's like kind of like when you go to college, it's like, you know, I'm not an alcoholic because everybody's an alcoholic. So it's right. no big deal. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, so I, I see that as well with, you know, our, our dietary choices or, you know, just our general life choices, our activity and what we're doing with ourselves, you know, and it's like, we think that there's no issue because we look around and you know it's it's all relative. So what is something yes. that you that you generally see with people and like what's something that you almost always are going to be like you need more blank, you know, be it fermented food or like what 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 are people missing you think? Well, you know what? It really depends because I have this I see a lot of patients that are already in the paleo sphere, right? Mm-hmm. And they may be coming to me, they're already eating an autoimmune diet, maybe they're already eating a GAPS diet or an STD type of approach, and they're just not getting better. And then it's kind of like, all right, well, now we got to really you know, bring out the, the big magnifying glass and go deeper. So those are the patients where we're really looking at glandular dysfunction, whether it be adrenal fatigue. Um, we're looking at maybe thyroid issues, undiagnosed thyroid issue, or an undiagnosed chronic infection that maybe is holding them back that some other physician um, may have missed. So that's kind of like the patients that are already doing everything right. Those are like the, that's the deeper magnifying glass we pull out. But then with just the, your everyday person that's coming to see me, obviously all the foundation, the diet stuff, the food allergens, making sure they're breaking down their food, sleep, blood sugar timing, hydration. Those are the foundational things. But I'm seeing like two kinds of patients. Some, their foundation is just totally not even there. Other people, their foundation's superb, but then we got to go deeper. So it really depends on what kind of patient we're seeing. Okay. And then as far as dietary supplements, are you usually offering whole foods to people or are you usually offering supplements or what's, what kind of stuff for you? So I always tell patients, diet is foundation. Diet is going to be 50 to 75% of the journey. But again, our food supply is decimated. Uh, people will come in really catabolic or broken down. So supplements are going to be essential to rebuilding the body faster and also um, you know, re- re- repleting deficiencies that maybe we're not even going to be able to fix with a healthy organic diet just because our soil is decimated. So I always tell patients supplements aren't called replacements. They're called supplements because they're meant to supplement an already healthy diet. So diet's going to be first in the pyramid and then anything on top of that will be supplemental to a, a healthy diet with um you know blood sugar you know um you know b- blood sugar rules intact you know not eating you know making sure we eat every 4 or 5 hours things like that are really essential to people that are super stressed i you have your own autoimmune disease that you've been working with right you have the hashimotos yeah. disease what can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how you've been working with that so I've been eating autoimmune for the last three or four years. I mean, for me, it just works great. It's kind of the baseline that I recommend for all my patients. Again, some people we have to go deeper, whether it's GAPS or SCD or you know low FODMAP. So it really depends upon you know what the individual is dealing with. Uh, I feel great in it, but I also adjust. I mean, I like to think of you know the autoimmune diet or the paleo diet. I, I don't like the word diet. I like the word template. So it's an autoimmune or paleo template. Now from there, we can adjust macronutrients, we can adjust micronutrients, and we can fine tune it. So I like the word template over diet because it just gives me more flexibility. I mean, I had a call with a patient the other day and she's like, well, you're going to put me on a paleo diet. That's like eating all meat. So, so many people have already made assumptions upon what a diet is or isn't. So the template kind of gives me a little bit more uh, flexibility. It doesn't really pin me in a corner. So that's kind of where I like you know, my template to start. And regarding Hashimoto's, yes, I mean, there isn't 
any real support out there in the conventional community for Hashimoto's. And we know this really simply is because whether you come back with elevated antibodies for Hashimoto's, which would be you know, anti-thyroid binding globulin or a thyroid peroxidase, these are just antibodies that your immune system makes to attack the thyroid tissue. If uh, you come back with these, treatment doesn't change. Typically, you're going to put on, you put on Levoxyl or Levothroid or Synthroid, which is a synthetic T4 that most people can't convert into active thyroid hormone, T3. And some of these actually have fillers such as corn or gluten that can even increase the autoimmunity. And so, that, I mean, it's fascinating to me that from my understanding, the majority of the population has some type of instability happening within their thyroid, be it hypo or hyper. You know, is that yes. what, so is that, that's obviously something that you're working with on a regular basis since that's a place that you're coming from. What are, what do people need to do to sort this out today? Well, the first thing we have to deal with, like I mentioned, I kind of harp on the foundations, right? Um, we have to dial in blood sugar. We have to dial in the inflammatory foods because all of these things, right, unstable blood sugar will increase interleukin-6, right? Having things like gliadin or casein in your diet can cross-react with gluten and stimulate thyroid peroxidase and stimulate a lot of these thyroid antibodies. So getting the foods right, um, getting sleep right, I mean, yeah. getting the diet and the lifestyle anti-inflammatory is foundational, but Moving from there, right, we're already assuming that foundation's there, getting some testing done to figure out what's driving it. So when we see thyroid issues, I see a lot of people that have thyroid issues that could be primary adrenal, meaning we run a thyroid panel, we run an adrenal channel, we hold them up side by side, and the adrenals are in far worse condition. Mm. So then we, it kind of gives us a way that we kind of move forward. And I always recommend my standard of care is always addressing adrenals first, ideally, and worst case scenario, side-by-side -side thyroid. I never, never address thyroid by itself off the bat. It's always adrenals and thyroid together. And the only time I really address thyroid and adrenals at the same time is if we see an elevation in TSH, and then we have to refer out to at least get them on thyroid meds, the right kind of meds off the bat before we go deeper, just from a med-legal kind of standpoint. Okay. And then you mentioned blood sugar a couple times. What's, what is, what is optimal blood sugar for somebody? And like, what, what kind of food should we be staying away from? What, what should we be, be oh, veering towards? Great question. So I had, um, I had, uh, Dr. Frank, he's a diabetes doc up in the Bay area. And I, I'm going to post this on my podcast today. So check the beyond wellness radio.com podcast. And there'll be a full hour long episode on blood sugar and diabetes. But essentially there's a couple different schools of thought. I like 95, 95 to 80 is a pretty good blood sugar. Again, Dr. Frank, he liked 88 or below. He was referencing um, Dr. Jack Cruz's level. I think 88, uh, I mean, people that have a healthy cortisol level can, can easily increase their blood sugar just from having healthy cortisol. Um, again, if you read Jenny Rule's book, Blood Sugar 101, she likes below 100 for fasting. So I like right around 95. And what's more important for me is uh, fasting insulin making sure fasting insulin is below 7 or 8 ideally and also looking at your blood sugar or glucose tolerance. I mean the big thing is when you have a bolus of food, a bolus of glucose, how is your blood sugar going to respond, right? Mm -hmm. So typically 140, under 140 uh, grams or glucose there or mg per dl glucose is where you want to be within one hour, under 120 within two hours and back to around 95 within three hours is a really good uh, baseline, and it's simple. Go get a, a bare contour or a one-touch blood sugar meter at your local health food store. 
a local drugstore, test your fasting, test one hour, two hour, three hour. You can get a pretty good measurement of where you're at and you can also try eating some junky food and see what happens to your blood sugar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Awesome, man. And then, so again, the one of the main things I'm, I'm super intrigued by is this, is the link between you know depression and anxiety and, and just how we're feeling and what's happening in our guts. The other thing that's really fascinating to me is, as well is there was a experiment done where they had, you might have heard about this, where they had rats or mice, and they were measuring the gut biome of various different different mice, and then they would have them swim in a little bucket and see who had the most endurance. I mean, it was a horrible, horrible experience for the, for experiment for the mice, yeah. but pretty fascinating. And when, when, you, when you see what the results were of the mice that had the better gut biome or, or, you know, a more prolific flora, they were, they had more endurance amongst, you know, other things. They did, they're just less stressed in general. Like what, what is that? Is there, could you kind of break that down a little bit for people of like, what's the, the link with that is? And yeah, well, mm -hmm. yeah. So healthy gut bacteria is going to do a couple things. It's in the synthesize nutrients like vitamin K. It's going to produce um, B vitamins as well. Mm -hmm. um, these are all really good things that our Krebs cycle, right? These are the energy producing parts of our body need for energy. So that's that's super important. Also, we need healthy gut bacteria to help with nutrient extraction, extraction with food, helping with digestion, right? Things like uh, bad bacteria are going to disrupt. Um, hydrochloric acid levels, they're going to impair nutrients like things like lithocholic acid and endotoxin from high amounts of bad bacteria or SIBO. These are going to unconjugate bile. They're going to create nutrient deficiencies like B12. Um, they're going to create malabsorption with nutrients like iron and magnesium and zinc. And these are all needed for healthy sex hormones, for hydrochloric acid. They're also needed um, for B12, which helps produce healthy, mature red blood cells that create energy and carry oxygen to our cells and our body. So we need, a, we need good bacteria for all these things, for all the energies in our body, for the minerals, for the nutrients, and also so we're not putting extra toxins into our system to poison our metabolic pathways. Right. And then with, with B vitamins, do you have any opinion as far as what B vitamins a person should be taking, whether that's, you know, are supplements okay? Are you able to assimilate all that from a supplement or is it, should be looking for food mainly? Well, again, supplements are like going, so supplements are, are not created equal. So patients are like, well, I'm on this, I'm on that. It's like, great. Well, that's like, you know, me saying, well, you know, I ate, I ate meat tonight. Great. Well, did I go to the fast food at McDonald's and get a burger or did I go and cook up some grass-fed organic meat from my local farm, right? right? Like two different standards there. And so, you know, I'm going to try to use B vitamins that are going to be methylated. Um, that's going to be highly absorbable. They're not going to have fillers to it. They're going to be chelated in a way to have max maximal absorption. Mm -hmm. Again, many people that have MTHFR SNP defects, whether heterozygous or homozygous on their um, – their MTHFR gene, they may not be able to metabolize your conventional folic acid in supplements. So they're going to need like an L-methylfolate or a calcium folinate so they can absorb their folate, which is really important. We need folate for DNA and folate's also important for B12 metabolism. So if you're getting a lot of your folic acid from refined grains or junky food, there's a lot of literature, whether you're heterozygous or homozygous, whether you have two, two genes or one, that you may actually metabolize this folic acid into these dangerous cancer metabolites. So mm. one, avoiding the refined foods is important because we get rid of a lot of the um, fortified junky vitamins in our food, right? And then number two, we want to make sure that if we are taking 
vitamins, we want to make sure they're high quality, right? If you look at the back of your supplement and you see folic acid in there, you know the manufacturer of that product made a specific choice to cut costs and, mm -hmm. and doesn't value um, what the research is showing around the MTHFR defects that have been out in the last you know, couple of years. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. The other question I had for you was um, parasites. I, you know, when I, I've, I, you know, I've traveled all over the place, and I've, I feel like I'm doing all right. But again, it's kind of one of those relative things. Like I feel pretty good in rel in relation to you know what I see, but then I do some research. And I don't know if I would suggest anyone actually do research on parasites because it is, yeah. it is like incredibly scary. Like it feels like you have like predator, you know, about to jump yeah. out of your, out of your, your face. Do you have any, um, did you see parasites a lot with people or what, all the time? All the time. I see probably like 10, 10 infections a week, more than likely. Um, I've already seen uh, one today as well, just before we're even talking here at a patient call. So yeah, all the time. Let me just let me pause that that comment. I want to just back up and say one more thing that's really important. Yeah, please. Um, the New York State Attorney General did a raid on GNC and a couple other supplement stores, and they found that what was on the label regarding the herbs. 90 plus percent of the time wasn't even in the supplement and also they found other fillers that weren't even on the label. So it's really important that if you're taking a supplement, one, you want to buy it as close to the manufacturer as possible and you want to use the highest quality products as possible because cost does matter and really the most expensive supplement is a supplement that doesn't work and or doesn't have what's on the label that you're paying for. So just kind of one comment there. So probably avoid Walmart and Target for your supplemental needs. Oh yeah, and like Costco, Kirkland's. Like yeah, I'm gonna buy like 400 capsules of fish oil for like 10 bucks. It's like right. I can tell you <laughs> what a deal. <laughs> I, I can tell you the manufacturers of the highest quality supplement companies could not get that kind of cost for their fish oil at manufacturing cost. Right. So the fact that you're getting it at that cost tells me the quality has to be incredibly inferior. Sure. And it's the same yeah. con it's the same concept when you you know you drive past a, a Mickey D's and it's like 99 cents for six cheeseburgers. What a great deal. It's like I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I always tell my patients paid. if you want to look like a million bucks, you can't eat off the dollar menu. And it's the same thing with your supplements too. You sure. can't be buying crappy supplements. But I always say before you invest in supplements, get the diet dialed in first. Right. Supplements are supplemental. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that, man. And, and yeah, then, no problem. So on, on to the parasites. parasites. It's it, how many people, what percentage of people, I mean, I think the percentage is 100%, but what percentage of people are actually being impacted, you know, really negatively by parasites and something they should be thinking about? And what should they be thinking about as far as natural remedies to uh, vanquish themselves of the predator inside? Yeah. So off the bat, like, parasites typically have a stigma with third world countries. And it makes sense because they don't have indoor plumbing. The nutrition's terrible, right? When our nutrition's bad, our immune system's compromised. So, you know, if we get exposed to a parasite, we're more likely to not be able to defend it off if we're malnourished. That's one. Two, if we're like dumping our stool and urinate in urine right out in front of our house and, you know, we live in the enclosed quarters and there are flies flying around and then flying on your food and then out, you know, in the street, it's kind of like, well, that's a really, you know, easy recipe for having lots of parasites and lots of infections. But now onto the first world country here, you know, most doctors and um, clinicians kind of make the assumption that, well, you know, this is a third world problem and it's not really an issue today. And 
You know, I can't tell you how many patients I see that come positive with these infections, whether it's Yersinia or Giardia or Blastocystis hominis or H. pylori or Dianthamoeba fragilis. I mean, all these, you know, um, these like six-syllable words keep on coming out with all these infections. So it gets kind of daunting. And then you go online and you look at some of them. It's, it's kind of uh, it's intimidating when you take some of these Google images off, off there. Um, but regarding with patients, I always tell patients that if you have an autoimmune condition, if you have um, some type of lack of performance in your life and you have an infection, you should more than likely treat that infection. I think everyone has the right to be infection-free. So if I have an infection, which I've had multiple in my life, I've had crypto, I've had H. pylori, my wife's had five or six as well, I've had um, really bad candidate infections, you always want to treat that. I think it's you're always going to do better because it's a stressor on our body, it's a stressor on our adrenal glands, it's going to be a stressor on our thyroid. It can even exacerbate autoimmune conditions, right? We know there are studies that when we address Yersinia infections, we see a correlation of antibodies dropping. We see a correlation of antibodies dropping with H. pylori with the thyroid. We see potential arthritis resolve when we remove mycoplasma. There's connections with Lyme and, and potentially ALS and, and MS as well. Um, lots of different infections are connected. Uh, Epstein-Barr and chronic fatigue, Epstein-Barr and thyroid issues. So the list goes on with these infections, so I always recommend my patients and all my patients get a solid workup for gut infections and intercellular parasite infections um, such as – or intercellular viral infections like Epstein-Barr or uh, mycoplasma or other things like uh, Lyme's or Lyme co-infections as well. And would you suggest uh, herbs generally for people or antibiotics or what's, what, what specifically what would you suggest yeah. for people with parasites? Well, that's a great question. Now. I've treated hundreds, if not thousands, of these infections, so it depends. Like if a patient came to me with an acute Lyme issue, they come in, they have the bullseye rash and everything like that, and they just got you know, bit by a tick. To play it safe, I would probably recommend the standard of care and just get the, you know, the 14 to 24 days of, of doxycycline by their primary uh, doc. That would probably be the safest way to start with an acute issue. Mm-hmm. Now regarding parasite issues, a lot of the antibiotics that are recommended for let's say these infections like Giardia or maybe Ehisto, a lot of them don't work. So there are certain antibiotics that work better. So it really depends on what the infection is. Most parasites we're able to address with just natural antimicrobial medicines. And um, others we have to refer out. Like Ehisto is one of those infections we'll typically, you know, I'll, I have different MDs in my network that we'll refer out to get a prescription of Alinea or NTZ different antibiotics that tend to do better with that infection. So it really depends. Are there any specific herbs that a person could go down to Whole Foods and buy right now? Well, I typically wouldn't recommend going down to Whole Foods to get your uh, antimicrobial herbs. Again, not saying that what they have down at Whole Foods is, is bad or good. It's just that I'm typically dealing with herbal medicines that aren't typically, they're kind of sold through a, a physician line, okay. tend to have a higher higher dosage. So like for instance, when we do wormwood, for instance, you know, we're going to be doing, you know, three to five grams a day of wormwood. That's a very, very high dose. Mm. So I don't recommend people going and, and enduring, you know, the wormwood that high on their own because it can definitely have some negative consequences, right. potentially some liver stress. And if you're not on an adrenal program, it can create lots of fatigue. So you want to use these herbs at a very high level and most people may not be aware of that and I'm not even sure that you know you may have to be on like 15 or 18 capsules, maybe a very high amount of capsules if they're not in a very concentrated form. So it really depends and it depends on the infection. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and some people like, for instance, like uh, wormwood. I use wormwood, so it's pure artemisia. But there are a lot of people that are using more artemisinin, which is like a, the active ingredient in wormwood. And there's a lot of people that are getting, you know, antibiotic or bug resistance to that herb as well. So it, it, you got to be careful. So I recommend always referring to a functional medicine doc that has experience with these infections you know, multiple times. Because it's like if you go to court and you defend yourself and you're not a lawyer and you're kind of like, you know, playing a lawyer, it's always uh, one of those things where those people tend to never do too well on their own. Right. So it's always better off kind of getting the lawyer because you only have your experience where I have, you know, thousands of people's experience, sure. if you will. So it, it really depends on the infections. Um, you know, if it's just a, a run-of-the-mill candida, you know, you know, you may be okay just doing a higher dose of oregano oil and some berberines, maybe some silver. But if we get a, a deeper infection, you definitely want to have a, a couple extra eyes looking at it. Okay. And then the other thing I'm curious about, I've been doing some more research with leaky gut, you know, and, and how you, you'd mentioned candida and inflammation and all this, all these different attributes that lead into potentially disrupting the lining of the gut. Um, yeah. Is that something that a lot of people are, are, are dealing with as well, in your opinion, or, or from your experience? Yeah, I'm actually about ready to do a video here um, from a study that the University of Maryland put out this year talking about that anyone, virtually anyone that consumes gliadin, whether you have symptoms or not, they're having gastrointestinal permeability. What is, what is gliadin? Uh, gliadin is the main protein in gluten. So typically when people say gluten-free, really what they mean is that they mean gliadin-free. Okay. Gliadin is the, the main protein that you find in kind of wheat and, and barley and rye. So that's one of the biggest stimulators uh, according to um, Alessio Fasano of leaky gut. Hmm. So gluten's big. But right after that would be endotoxin or LPS. This is lipopolysaccharide. It's the little tentacles that spawn off of the gram-negative bacteria, and these things are toxic. Right. They can create leaky gut, and not to mention they can also cause depression. This kind of ties in with the whole depression mood thing. Sure. They and find high levels of uh, endotoxin or LPS, right? They can cause depression, and when they knock it down, the depression improves. And how, how does what, – what is leaky gut exactly, and what does a person do, to, do naturally to, to recover from that or to heal the gut? Yeah, so off the bat, just cutting out all the bad foods and starting out with an AIP autoimmune paleo template is going to be a really good start. That's number one. Mm. And then I always recommend patients just interlock their fingers super tight together. So they're, it's like they're saying a prayer, but they open their hands up so they can see you know, where the fingers intertwine. So imagine the little seams that you see intertwine with your fingers. That's like your tight junctions. These are the different – you know. Um, parts of the, the inner gut lining that provide the barrier from the inside of the gut to the bloodstream. And imagine when stress and inflammation happens from gluten or maybe endotoxin or maybe uh, Epstein-Barr or maybe uh, stress and poor blood sugar and, and candida, I just pull the fingers apart just a little bit so you can start seeing daylight. And that's kind of what's happening to your tight junctions. They're starting to open up just a little bit. And then undigested food particles can get in there. And what's happening is your immune system is not used to seeing undigested food, undigested maybe it's grains or undigested casein or, or you know, the protein in dairy. And your immune system can start creating antibodies that are going out to attack. And these antibodies can also kind of have a cross-reaction uh, cross or they can have a mistaken identity of other tissues in the body. They can start maybe attacking the pancreas or the thyroid or they can start attacking the nerves. And eventually when that tissue becomes – destroyed long enough, right? If it's the thyroid tissue, we'll call it Hashimoto's. If it's 
potentially the nerves, we may call it multiple sclerosis or Guillain-Barre or maybe Parkinson's if it happens in the midbrain or potentially maybe even Alzheimer's, right? I mean, I'm not sure Alzheimer's is linked to a lot of blood sugar issues too. That's a little more confusing, but we have a lot of autoimmune conditions. If it happens to the microvilli in the small intestine, we'll call it celiac disease, right? So there's so many conditions that we just label as an autoimmune condition based upon what tissue is destroyed by our immune system. Right. And then so something that I'm I'm always intrigued by is is movement. And yeah. you know so I want to get in a little bit of you know what your movement practice is if you have one and then also with the relation of you know how impactful are all these supplements and the medicine you know that we're that we're taking in if we don't actually get those visceral joints mobile and moving. You know visceral meaning, meaning your guts. You know like it's something that I will do with people is, you know, on a regular basis, work with their viscera, work with their guts, you know, and, and feel the motility or the, the, you know, that, that, that subtle movement of the organs. And oftentimes people are, are totally stuck in there, you know? And so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious if, A, if you do it, if you, in your work, you do any practice with that and then B, you know, just like what's, do you offer anything for people to do as far as, you know, just what, what can people do to get things moving better? Yeah, so off the bat, I mean, just to create internal movement, hydration is vitally important, right? Not drinking with our meals, but before, like 10 to 15 minutes before or two hours after, that's vital for just providing, you know, good quality H2O to our intestines. That's important. Mm -hmm. But um, when we're talking about physical movement, I'm a big fan of Eric Goodman's work with foundation training. Uh So I'll recommend putting my patients in through a founder. It's a movement series that he does. You can Google it and take a look at some of his videos. But that's a good general movement. Again, I recommend um, primal movement patterns, you know, a la Paul Check, if you will. So really making sure in your exercise routine you're having you know, the seven primal movements, right? Squatting, bending, uh, pushing, pulling, twisting, lunging, walking, sprinting. These are, are helpful. And again, like my patients are constipated or have gut issues. Doing gentle breathing squat can be very helpful up to the nose as you stand up and then down into a deep squat as you breathe out. And that can help. And that can, the, the deep squat can provide pressure on the parts of the colon that help, will help to evacuate stool. So there can be lots of benefits through good movement, but also making sure you're not moving too much. Because I see a lot of patients that are diehard CrossFitters and they have a lot of adrenal fatigue and they're working themselves into it too much. So I always recommend movement should be stimulatory. It should make you feel better. So if you're ever doing a movement and you feel worse afterwards or you don't feel energized, that's strike one. If you – 15 minutes after the movement, emotionally you feel like you couldn't repeat it. It was just that overwhelming for your body and your nervous system. Well, that's strike two. And then – Strike three would be how do you feel later on that day? Do you feel hit by a bus? Do you feel you know okay? Or that next morning, how do you feel? Do you feel wiped out? I mean outside of you know maybe some soreness from it being a new movement, you shouldn't feel wiped out. So as long as we're answering positive to those three questions, I think movement is great and just making sure we have those good primal movement patterns in there is going to be super helpful. Yeah. And then as something else that I'll suggest to people and, and myself is, you know, if you are not getting stronger when you're exercising, you're exercising too much. 
You know, you, you every time that you go into the gym, you should feel like cool, sweet. You know, I'm I'm making progress. If you come to the gym, it's totally like a catch twenty two of like maybe it's gonna be you know I'm I'm a weekday, maybe it's gonna be a strong day. You need to start dialing things in, and likely it's gonna be in relation to nutrition. Likely it's gonna be in relation to to sleep, and also likely it's gonna be in relation to overtraining. I think that's one of the easiest things for us to do is overtrain, which sounds kind of ridiculous, but I've yeah. experienced this in, in my own in my own life. It's like we get hooked on that feeling of I train so and I feel better, so I need to do that all the time, you know. But it's like any you're taking any medicine, it's like great. You know, I took two pills, I feel great. If I take twelve pills, it's probably not going to have the same impact. You know, so, so yeah, I, I appreciate you chat mentioning that. I think that's really important. Alongside with that. Uh, you had mentioned cortisol levels. I know in the morning time where we end up getting spiked with cortisol and then that lasts, is it like 7 to 9 a.m. or something like that? You're better with this stuff than I am, I'm sure. Is it 7 to 9 or when, when, when do we have the highest cortisol in the morning? Yeah, typically right, right around 6 to 8 a.m. is where we start to spike and, and that's okay. based on a light and dark cycle. So, I mean, if anyone listening to this uh, today on, uh, what's it, March 9th, it was daylight savings yesterday. So it's like yeah. my alarm's set for 7 a.m. and it's just like, what the heck? It's yeah, totally it dark out. <laughs> I'm just like, I used to wake up, you know, with the sun and that's more natural, right? Because right. that's where our cortisol is going to come up with the sun. So come waking up, with darkness totally threw me off today. So yeah, cortisol is going up with the sun and then gradually tapering down kind of like a roller coaster throughout the day as the sun drops and, and the moon comes up, we start to see that cortisol drop and then melatonin comes up when cortisol starts to drop as well right around 8 to 10 p.m. too. Right. Yeah, this morning I had this like idle hour of I didn't really know what to do with myself because the sun wasn't up yet. <laughs> It's, oh yeah, I mean, really I was just, I was just hitting the uh, the snooze button on my on my iPhone. I'm like, screw this! What the heck is right. this? I'm like, this is ridiculous. I was about I was gonna go to the gym at 7 a.m. because I worked out like at 8 8 p.m. last night. So I said, screw this! I'm gonna go to the gym this afternoon. This is this is like this is torment. Right. So and so then there was leading into my other question was so we get jacked up with cortisol in the morning and then when in relation to exercise, uh, especially for a person say with adrenal fatigue, when is it? When's a safe window for a person that that does have adrenal fatigue to exercise? And you know, a, a generally healthy person, what's what do you think the best window to be? You know, say lifting weights for exercise is. Well, a lot of people will say that. You know, when your autonomics or when your sympathetics and parasympathetics are out of balance. So sympathetics are your fight or flight. This is when you're stressed, right? That's when someone, you know, kind of startles you from behind. That's the, the, the spidey sense that goes off of you. Well, that, those are the sympathetics. Yeah. And the parasympathetics are like the repairing, the, the, the deep breathing, the resting, the digestion, the meditative type of state. And most people are in this sympathetic type of lock. And this is paramount with adrenal fatigue because – the adrenals are, are stressed. A lot of times cortisol is, is not being produced optimally. The adrenals maybe are pumping out a lot more adrenaline. So there's a lot more of this anxious, nervous kind of tension going on. Um, so it tends to people tend to do better working out in the earlier part of the day when they have more cortisol in their body. And also at night later on in the day, it's, cortisol is going down. So their nervous system's a little bit out of whack, a little bit dysregulated. So if their cortisol is going down at night or maybe it's flipped and going up at night with some people, mm. exercising will give it a little bit of an extra boost. So it can kind of lock in that dysrhythmic cortisol rhythm. So working out in the morning to the afternoon can be better. And again, just if you're trying to get your workout in, always working it out in the morning is better 
just because of the fact you get it in and it's done and nothing else can get in the way throughout your day. Right. And one of the things that I've, I've heard you mention is oftentimes when we go see a doctor, we'll get, you know, we'll get a, a checkup and the, the, the checkup that we get may not be sensitive enough to see the conditions that may be underlying with us. So, so something like adrenal fatigue, is that something that, that you see with people more often than what one would think or, or, or not so much? Oh, I see it all the time. It makes me think that like there aren't healthy adrenals out there. <laughs> but every now and then someone comes through and proves me wrong and I'm like, yes, I have hope for humanity. Right. Um, so what should but be, it, people be doing? Um, well, I mean, in general, you know, we're testing a, a four sample cortisol rhythm. And when we talk about adrenal fatigue, I, I've written and done some videos on the same topic, but it's not really like fatigue, like, you know, your muscles are fatigued, like your adrenal glands are just fatigued and tired. It's, it's more of the brain. It's more of the uh, hypothalamic pituitary adrenal access, right? Big words. All this means is your brain, right? Your brain is your hypothalamus and your pituitary. And then your adrenals are your adrenals. So this is access basically of, you know, um, inhibiting and basically hormones and, and feedback loops that talk to the glands. It's kind of like your thermostat talking to your air conditioner and your uh, heater. So it kind of has to keep track of things. If it gets too hot, well, the AC kicks on. And if it gets too cold, well, the heat kicks on. And it's the same thing with stress, mm. right? Too, too much stress, cortisol, you know, vice versa. So we want to have that dialed in. And by looking at the rhythm, we can get a window into what the HPA access is, is like and how it's functioning. And then, so all of this is relating back to, you know, our, our general state of well-being is yes. something that I've been, I've been playing with of kind of just really trying to hone in on like, when do I feel the most mentally clear, you know, and when, when, when do I feel kind of foggy? And is that something that you are, I, I know that's something I've, I've seen your video on, on, on mental fogginess or I forget exactly what the name was, but what, yeah. what, what is that exactly? Is there some way to kind of hack that or figure out how to, how to work with that? Yeah. Well, anytime we see brain fog, it's typically, in, it's a mark of inflammation in the brain. Mm. And anytime inflammation in the gut is present long enough, we tend to develop brain inflammation. And this is important because people don't know, but a significant percentage of the weight or of the cells of the brain are actually immune cells. And these cells are called microglial cells. Some people say 10 to 50%, but they're there. And these cells are very interesting because they kind of work on positive feedback loops. So if one cell gets turned on, the other gets turned on, the other gets turned on, and it's like throwing a ping pong ball on a, uh, on a field full of mousetraps. So one goes off, hits second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, seventh, and so on. So it's kind of like this exponential effect. So if we start having gut inflammation, it can really start to throw things off in the brain by activating a lot of these microglial cells. So then once they're activated, we really have to do our best to attenuate or decrease this inflammatory response. And we do it obviously cutting out all the foods and, and um, optimizing um, you know, serotonin and dopamine levels if we see those low or really um, upping vitamin D or maybe adding certain anti-inflammatory bioflavonoids like resveratrol or turmeric or curcumin. Mm. You know, it really depends. But starting with the low-hanging fruit with the diet and the blood sugar and the food allergens and the sleep and, you know, all the other potential uh, nasty things in our diet from refined sugar and aspartame and and potentially even FODMAPs, all these things can be easy, low-hanging fruit that we can grab off the bat before we have to go into deeper functional medicine things. 
Awesome, man. Yeah, and I, I can say firsthand that when I did convert to eating, really like diving into eating a ton of fat, really positive fat being, you know, avocados and coconut oil and nuts and seeds, specifically, you know, some of the better nuts, like almonds and walnuts and such. And um, I started going raw fermented dairy and uh, bone broth and just really, yeah. like, really getting after it. And all of a sudden, like really fast, literally, you know, within moments of starting to starting to convert that, um, felt like this mental clarity, almost like literally like, like the fog was was lifting. It was almost like it was a drug, you know. And so yeah. what what that tells me was that I had been really depleted for a long time. And all of a sudden, yeah. like, you know, and that's the that's the amazing thing with the body is you know it's a homeostasis machine, man. Like if you just yeah. get, if you just push it in the right direction, it'll take over, you know. But I think that you know something for me, I don't I don't want to I don't want to rag on vegetarianism or anything like that because right. I think I think that you can do it for sure. Um, but that was kind of more the path that I was on before. I was eating some some small fish, like you know anchovies and and sardines and stuff. But when I converted eating to when I converted to eating a whole bunch of raw butter and raw fermented dairy and all that stuff, literally it was like this distinct like moment that it was just like oh wow <laughs> I yeah. can see. <laughs> Yeah, it's totally like an aha moment. Your body finally gets what it starts to need, it's for inc- sure. It's incredible, man. But so so with that, though, I think oftentimes what we end up doing is we end up walking down the path of, you know, like self-modulation with neurotransmitters and, you know, getting various different uh, amino acids and all that. And I I, I think that that's, there is definitely a place for that for sure. But I think it's also potentially a slippery slope for people where you can start throwing balances off in your body. Um, do you have any anything to say about that, or like what what do you suggest for people? Yeah, I mean, it really depends kind of where they're at, right? So, like, you kind of have to. I have my general workup where I kind of do a really deep history, get some basic lab work done, and that gives me some great indicators of how to move forward. Because um, again, certain people I'm seeing, like they're like you, they're doing everything already, and they're still feeling like crap. Right. So then it's like, all right, great, like they're already doing this stuff. Now what? So it's great when you do the, the low-hanging fruit and you get a great result, but then it's like, what if you don't? Right. And that's kind of where it gets a little bit scary for most people, and that's where it's better to, you know, to elicit someone like myself to dig deeper. Is there an infection? Hey, let's run an organic acid test. Do we have low 5-hydroxy indoloacetate or low vanomanilate or homovanilate, which are signs of maybe lower neuro chemicals in the brain. That could be helpful. Um, let's dig deeper. Is there an anemia? Is there some malabsorption? Is there an infection? Do you have low thyroid? Um, so digging deeper can be helpful. It's great. I mean, I love when I have patients like you and, and the, the foundational stuff works because it's like patients get better faster and they, they love me uh, <laughs> faster. But when they're sicker like this and they have deeper things, that's when it's tougher. And that's where you know the, the general um, recipe sometimes isn't always the, the fail safe, if you will. Sure. And then kind of side topic, we're starting to run out of time. So I had a couple other questions I want to chat about quick. Vitamin, yeah. vitamin D deficiency, is that something that, that's, that's, that's everywhere? What, what, do you, what do you think about that? And, and as, as well with vitamin D supplements, there's a lot of different options there. What, what do you suggest? Well, vitamin D supplementation, I'm a big fan of using sublingual vitamin D just because of the absorption factor. Especially if you have gut issues or a lot of digestive issues, you can do a, a sublingual vitamin D mixed with you know medium chain triglycerides or MCT oil. Mm-hmm. That can be very helpful for absorption. 
Um, again, if you're taking vitamin D and it's not raising your 25-hydroxy vitamin D levels, we got to look deeper. Running a 125-hydroxy vitamin D can be important because we'll see elevations in the 125-hydroxy vitamin D and maybe low 25, right? So 25-hydroxy is like our active vitamin D. And then our 125, excuse me, let's back that up. 25 is like your stored form of vitamin D. But this is like your typical vitamin D marker where if you ask, you know, hey, what's my vitamin D? That's the test your doctor will run, the 25-hydroxy. But then when you get the 125-hydroxy, that's, that's really your active, but it typically isn't run too frequently just because your 25 and your 125 tend to have like a one-to-one -one ratio. So if your 25-hydroxy is at 50, then your 125 will be right around 50. The big problem is if we start to supplement vitamin D and we're not seeing it go up, that's where it becomes nice to look at the 125 because a lot of times we'll see the 25 maybe at 30, but we'll see the 125 at 140 or 150 or so. We'll see it way higher. And a lot of that's because the vitamin D receptor is having downregulation issues. And a lot of times that's happening because of intercellular infections, mm. whether it be Epstein-Barr's is a notorious one that basically deforms the vitamin D receptor and then the body is trying to get more and more vitamin D into the receptor site because it's not having the effect that it would normally have. So I kind of think of, think of this as like um, when we're consuming carbohydrates, the body makes more and more and more insulin to get that blood sugar into the cell, right? And then we develop insulin resistance. Well, that same thing's happening with our vitamin D. The body's producing more and more active vitamin D to try to have that um, – therapeutic, uh, immunologic balancing effect with our vitamin D. What about a person that lives in a place where they're, they're getting sun? You know, it's like, I live in Bend, Oregon, and so I, there's yeah. get 300 days of sunshine a year. You know, I, I'm out in the sun, you know, preferably naked. This morning was, <laughs> I went that direction. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really getting after it with getting sun. Is, does that person need to supplement with vitamin D as well? Well, I mean, I always just default to the lab test. Just go look at the lab test. If you're 50 to 70, you're probably okay. Um, if you have an autoimmune condition, you probably should be upwards of 70 to 100. Mm -hmm. Again, there have been studies where they look at people in San Diego, you know, getting sun for two or three hours a day and their vitamin D is still low. So I, I just kind of say, you know what, that's on an individual basis. As long as you pass the vitamin D test and you're at about 50 or so, then I'm off my patient's backs about getting on vitamin D supplementation. Awesome, man. Do you have any, if you could pick out one healthcare misconception, is there anything that that's, you know, comes to the tip of your tongue or first, first thought? Well, uh, misconception, I think conventional medicine for years has really played down the fact that leaky gut, you know, exists. And I think that we really, with the research that Dr. Um, Alessio Fasano has done and the research of others that have been out in this field, that we know leaky gut's real. Like it was one of these things that was just thrown around in the, in the alternative medicine community. Oh, you got a leaky gut. But we know you just go into PubMed and you type in gastrointestinal permeability, right? That's the, uh, the medical term for leaky gut. We're going to see all kinds of studies on this topic. So we know it's real and most people aren't aware of it and they, um, they aren't getting the underlying causes of it fixed, which are going to be getting out the bad foods, addressing the infections, addressing the, the gut microbalance. And um, making sure we're managing stress and eating fermented foods and, and you know, having a good uh, balance of probiotics in our gut. So if we're doing these things, that's going to automatically help decrease you know, leaky gut. And that's going to be the insipidus. That's the first domino that has to fall 
for autoimmune condition most of the time. So we really want to make sure we're on point with that. Awesome, man. I love it. And I had just a couple more questions. The one, getting back to the thyroid, do you, do you see more hypothyroidism or hyper? And, and do you think that people are lacking iodine in general? Or, or is, what, are your, what are your thoughts with, with that? Great questions. So definitely seeing more hypothyroid in general. But again, because a lot of thyroid issues are autoimmune in nature, anywhere between 90 to 50% of you know, thyroid issues are going to be autoimmune. Whether it comes back positive on the blood or ultrasound, they typically tend to be autoimmune. So again, whether you have, let's say, Hashimoto's, which is typically an autoimmune condition for hypothyroid, you still may have intermittent attacks of hyperthyroid symptoms because the immune system is attacking these var- various thyroid follicles and out comes a whole bunch of thyroid hormone that gets spilled into the circulation from the immune attack. And th- that can feel like a hyper attack. And depending on when we test it, if we test it when a whole bunch of thyroid hormone has been spilled out, we're going to see potentially normal or maybe high levels of thyroid hormone. And we may even see super low TSH one month and then super high the next month. And that's just common with this sequelae of autoimmunity because we're just bursting these thyroid follicles and out comes thyroid hormone. So it's normal to have hyperthyroid symptoms in a long-term hypothyroid condition. So in the end, it's going to be hypo, but we could have the symptoms of hyper leading up to it, if you will. So I think in the future, we're gonna, there's going to come a time where we have uh, you know, little chips inserted into our head and it just downloads like all the information yeah. of the world. And I think that may have happened to you already. Did that? <laughs> did that no, did that? It's, it's just constantly reading. It's just constantly reading and getting it down. It's like anything you do, you really know what you're dealing with on an everyday basis. So because I'm constantly dealing with it, you know, you got to own your topic. So yeah. it's, it's important. And, and just to touch one more thing here on the hyper When we're looking at hyper, we truly know that you're like a long-term hyperthyroid person is if we see TSI or thyroid-stimulating immunoglobin Mm -hmm. or we see thyroid receptor antibodies. This is basically our immune system stimulating more thyroid hormone production. Mm -hmm. So you know that's a little bit different because that's going to be driving our body to make excessive amounts of thyroid hormone. So if we see someone with hyper symptoms, we always want to rule out both. So if you have hyper symptoms, you always want to have both of those ruled out. Okay. And then just one more question for you. If you could go back to a younger version of yourself and, and you know, whisper into your ear some advice, yeah. um, it, could be, it could be in relation to anything really. But uh, assumably it's probably going to be in relation to nutrition because that's what we're thinking about. But anything, what would, you, what would you say to yourself, say, when you were, when you were 18? Well, there's that expression that youth is wasted on the young. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I love that expression. Um, but again, you know, biologically, I mean, if you listen to guys like Jay Schroeder who works with professional athletes all the time, you don't really peak performance-wise until you, until you hit you know, your mid to late 30s, according to him. So anyone that's you know, 20s or 30s, like, man, you still have, you're still in the best of your years. So that's, that's one thing to put out there first. And anyone else that's over that age, well, you know, we really want to work on the quality of your years. And, and doing these things can always add quality no matter how old you are, no matter where in the game you are. Um, but on that note, I would have, I had, oh man, it depends how far back in the game. I wasn't <laughs> breastfed. I wasn't breastfed. I found that out like a year or two ago and that really, like, that really hit me hard. 
And so one, if I could, depending on how back in time I would have gone, I would have made sure that I, you know, was a, a vaginal birth. I wasn't, I wish I wasn't a C-section and I would have made sure I was breastfed off the bat. I had chronic ear infections growing up. Oh my God, all the antibiotics I was on because of my ear infections. And that was all because I was super sensitive to dairy and gluten. And my mom didn't know any better. I was on all kinds of formula that had all this crap in it. And I, my parents didn't know any better. They did their best. I don't hold it against them, but I would have gone back and I would have gone back to the first day I was born and to all of the breastfeeding and I would have really made sure I was on a relatively you know, autoimmune template off the bat because I had chronic fungal and yeast infections growing up. It was really bad and I was chronically inflamed and I had rosacea and dandruff. I mean, I'm putting myself to shame here, everyone listening to all my, um, all my health issues, but you know, I, I'm there and that's what's made me, I think, a, a, a good doctor is because I've, I've lived it and it's, Alex Gray um, created a picture, it's called the, the, uh, the Wounded Healer and essentially any good healthcare provider has gone through some type of journey of where they didn't have optimal health and they walk the journey of getting their health optimal. And I think every doctor or every practitioner or nutritionist or counselor has that journey in some way or another. And I, I definitely had that journey. So for me, I'd go back right to where it all started and really get it all changed from the get-go. Sure. And I like to look at all of those, all those experiences as gifts. And it sounds so cliche and, you know, new agey and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, you broke your arm. It's a gift, but it really is. You know, it's, if you didn't have, if you didn't go down that path, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. You yeah. Know? So I think, I think it's so fantastic that, that, you know, we can to kind of just change our perception on these experiences that we had. And then another thing, you were a prime example of epigenetics. You know, it's like you yes. get you get the baseline. But then from there, it's your environment, it's your thoughts, it's what you put into your body. You know, all this stuff is information. You know, it's it's a matter of what, you know, what books, you know, literally and metaphorically that you're reading that's going to form yourself. You know, exactly. so it's 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 to me, this conversation is a gift. I appreciate getting to talk to you and getting to you know, hear all this. I think this is like, you know, this is the coolest job in the world to get to chat to people like you about this. So, Oh, that's so great. Yeah. I totally appreciate it. And um, Aaron, I also, I think we sidestepped the question on iodine. I know that's a heated uh, yeah, question. Can we go back and touch upon yeah, that? Yeah, please. I appreciate it. Okay. So iodine is one of these, you know, double-edged swords, right? Again, there is definitely iodine deficiency out there in certain parts of, of the world in this country. But again, depending on how we supplement it, a lot of people, if we're supplementing a whole bunch of iodine and we're also selenium deficient, mm. that creates this whole metabolism where our body creates thyroid hormone and then spits out a whole bunch of hydrogen peroxide on top of it and that can create a lot of inflammation and it can cause your immune system to start attacking. Mm. So first things first, if you ever do use iodine, Make sure you're having at least 200 to 400 micrograms of selenomethionine ahead of time. And ideally, you know, get the adrenals, get the autoimmunity, get all the food stuff down first. Again, there are two kind of camps out there. There's the Dr. Brownstein camp, who's like, iodine's great. And then there's the, you know, Dr. Karazian camp, which is, hey, iodine's terrible. You know, it's going to like create autoimmune conditions. And they're both right. And I have a profound amount of respect for each of them. You know, we do know, for instance, that when we give a high amount of iodine off the bat with some people, it can actually cause a hyperstate. And then with some people, we can actually have cause a hypostate. So for instance, we see this phenomenon known as the John Baisdow phenomenon, which is essentially 
when we give too much iodine, it can cause a hyper state. And then we have the the Wolf-Chaikoff effect is where we give too much iodine. It can actually cause hypothyroidism. So everyone's a little bit different. I'm kind of – I walk the midline where I think iodine can be helpful. First off, let's rule out – make sure there's no antibodies first. And let's really work on the adrenals. Let's work on the thyroid nutrients that need to be there. Let's get the inflammation down. Let's work on some gut bugs. Then maybe we can start slowly adding in some iodine, potassium iodine and iodide, both forms, and then gradually increase it potentially over time. And if you have autoimmunity, to be careful, really put more focus on the selenium and the adrenals before we touch upon that. But it, it's a really, a, you got to be very careful about that. But I do agree, both camps are right. It's just how you interpret it, kind of the magic of how you practice medicine or practice the nutrition and functional medicine with the patients. That's where the art kind of comes in there. Awesome, man. I'm going to be going back and taking extensive notes on this podcast, man. I really appreciate it. It's been awesome. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah, no problem. It's been great to be here. And I, I want to have you on my podcast, Beyond Wellness Radio. Oh, I love we'll, that. We'll get you scheduled here because I want to, you know, all the stuff that you talk about in your podcast, I'm 100% in alignment with it. Sure. And I'd love to get some a, a good perspective out to my listeners on what you do as well. Yeah, for sure, man. I love it. Well, great, man. Um, I will, And I'll see you in Austin really soon, too, in the end love of it. April. If anybody's listening out there, Paleo FX is going to be a really fantastic event, and I'm it's I'm looking forward to it. You you you'll be speaking there, and um, it's it's a what is it three day event? Yeah, it's a three day. I'll be there the first day. I have some you know some prior obligations I have to tend to on the weekend, but I'll be there that Friday on a one hour thyroid panel. Cool. If anyone has some questions, I would love to field them. So if you're there, it'd be great. Cool. And then I'll be there doing some strength and conditioning and uh, we'll see what that ends up looking like. So we'll both, we'll both be there and I'm really looking forward to it, man. So thanks so much for coming on the show again. No problem. And I want to just add to the listeners, if they want more information about what I do, justinhealth.com is a great website. That's my clinic site. Again, I have a, a thyroid video series and a female series. And also for right now, I'm having some some small complimentary uh, consultations offered to, to certain people there. If you want to go and schedule, we can at least talk about some of these things and figure out, hey, you know, the next step to take for you to help get better. And then my thyroid site is fixyourthyroid.com that really looks at the underlying causes of where these thyroid conditions are coming from and just lots of free information there. And then beyondwellnessradio.com for all kinds of um, for my podcast with all kinds of other good topics just like your own. And then the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, your videos on YouTube are awesome, man. I had a great time checking those guys out. So anybody out there, I would absolutely suggest checking out is Justin. Is it Justin Health on YouTube as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, YouTube.com slash Justin Health. And there are links on all the main sites to get there too. So if you go to the main site, click on the subscribe video link and you'll get there too. Awesome, man. Yeah, I greatly appreciate everything you're doing. It's incredible. Cool. Thanks so much, Aaron, for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. I'll see you. Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I greatly appreciate your comments and your shares in iTunes. They determine the ranking and the visibility of the show and they make me smile. So I look forward to reading those guys. Be sure to check out the website aligntherapy.com. That's A-L-I-G-N therapy.com. On there you can find my blog, you can find this podcast, more information about the topics and the and the uh, guests that we've had on the show. You can find hundreds of absolutely free 
instructional videos on self-care, functional movement, how to get strong, how to get fast, how to get exactly what you want out of your body. You can check out the online coaching where we work, how, work out how to optimize your movement practice so that you can live optimally and pain-free for the rest of your life. As well, be sure to check out the self-care kit where it is as small enough to fit underneath the seat in your car. And it's like a physical therapist, a massage therapist, all wrapped up into one package. I know you guys are going to love the website. I know you guys are going to get a lot of value out of it. And I look forward to hearing your comments. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember to join the movement by subscribing to the podcast. If the information has been helpful, please share and leave your comments in iTunes. Aaron personally reads each one and it makes all the work worthwhile. Together, we will make a difference and continue to bring more powerful and inspiring messages to the world. Align Podcast.
Wash my soul. I will come to you, rivers. Wash my soul. I will come to you, rivers. Wash my soul again. <laughs> 